And now, back to David Spada and Elliot Harris for more sports and torts on TalkZone.com. On the phone, we have legendary NBA coach Dick Mata, former coach of the Chicago Bulls, Washington Bullets, Dallas Mavericks. How are you doing, Mr. Mata? Good, good. Real good. How are you doing? Great. So, you started out coaching, uh, what, in college at Utah State? Oh, no, no. I, I started coaching and teaching in the seventh grade uh, in uh, Grace, Idaho. I, uh, I, had, I had seventh grade students all day long. I coached the the junior high basketball and track, and then I was the assistant football and basketball coach at the high school after school. Then I was also the head baseball coach at the high school. Uh, Phil Johnson, I don't know if you remember him. He used to coach in the league sure. a couple of years ago. He was in right. my first seventh grade class. He went on the coach at the Sacramento Kings, if I recall. Yeah, he, he that was his last legitimate job. After that, then he went over and stole the money uh, from the Jazz. So how do you get from coaching seventh grade to coaching in the NBA? Well, I I had a commission in the Air Force, and I went in the Air Force. For, I did my did my duty for my country, and uh, uh, came home. And uh, in the meantime, the, the uh, both jobs had opened up at the high school in Grace, Idaho. And uh, uh, I'd been in touch with the superintendent during my two year stint, and. Uh, both jobs were open. I uh, and he gave me my choice of being the football coach or the the basketball coach. And uh, I I really liked football a lot better. But up in that area, they had the spud vacation, the potato vacation for two weeks in the fall, and, and they'd never won a football game after the spud vacation because the kids tied up their muscles and everything. And uh, and then it snowed a lot, and you had to. The football coach had to always organize to get the the snow off the field and the lines drawn and and everything and it got, got to be a, a hassle when I was there in the junior high I had to help too and they had just built a new gym and the lines were already on the on the floor so <laughs> I took basketball smart choice yeah well I I don't know I I think it was I I as it turned out it was it was a smart choice but I still uh, was the assistant. Uh, you know, it was a small school. We had 140 kids in the uh, in the in the top three grades uh, of the high school, and uh, I was the uh, uh, I was the backfield coach in football, and uh, I had the basketball. Then I then I also coached in the spring. I coached the baseball, and I did that for uh, three three years. The last the last uh, two years, uh, the year before. I left. We were 24 and two and lost in the state championship. And the last year we were 24 and two and uh, won the state championship. But then I uh, I applied for a couple of jobs uh, and didn't get them. So I went back to uh, college for a year and got my master's degree and worked with Jim Williams as a graduate assistant at Colorado State. And then uh, uh, the Weber Junior College job opened and uh, and, I, and I took. I took the the junior college job, and uh, and I uh, I stayed there. Uh, it was a junior college for two years. We knew this going in, and then it moved into a uh, was going to go into a four four year institution. So I, I I took the junior college for two years, and then I, I was it was a three year uh, college one year. Then the next year we graduated students. So I look back on it, and I coached 
I've had experience in the junior high, the high school, the military. I coached a team in the Air Force, uh, uh, junior college, uh, a four-year school. And then, uh, you know, we made the – my teams at Weaver really did well. And uh, we we uh, made the uh, NCAA tournament that year when we were in the Sweet 16 when the Sweet 16 was just getting in. <laughs> there were only 16 teams uh, allowed there. So – we, we were playing a team at home uh, by the name uh, of Pan American University, and they had, a, they had a kid by the name of Otto Moore who was projected to be the number one draft choice. And Dick Klein from Chicago came out to watch that game. Uh, my center, Dan Sparks, who later played in the ABA, kicked uh, Otto's butt. We won by 40, and uh, somehow I guess Klein was, was kind of impressed with, uh, with our team and that March, he called me and offered me the job in uh, in Chicago. Do you think that could ever happen again where someone who never played in high school, college, or pro basketball could become an NBA coach? Well, and, and the, the first NBA game I saw in person, you know, I saw a couple on television, but the first the first one I saw in person was the, was the game I coached. It was, it was <laughs> a New York Knicks on the road. And we stayed across the street uh, at the old uh, uh, New Yorker, it was called, I think it's demolished now, but uh, all the players went over early with their uh, pillowcases and stuff. And uh, I went a little later, and I went to the press gate, which was right there, and and I told the guy that I'm. He said, well, "You don't have a ticket." And I said, "No, I'm the coach of Chicago Bulls." And he said, "Yeah, and I'm president of the United States." <laughs> and uh, smart ass wouldn't let me in. And a guy by the name of Lenny Lewin had interviewed me that earlier in the day over at the hotel, and he verified for me. So I got to see my first game on the recommendation of a, a, a – I think he worked for the New York Times. I'm not sure, <laughs> one of the New York papers. So I, I, I was in, man. I got into the game, and we won it. And, uh, uh, and then we went over to Milwaukee the very next night and won it. I called Phil, who had taken my job. Uh, he played for me, and I'd hired him at Weber. Then he, he took my job at Weber – I called him and said, hell, there's nothing in this NBA. We're 2-0, and we, we don't have a good team. I left a better team back in, in Weber. And uh, the next night, we played at home against uh, Bill Russell. Ooh. Holy shit, he got me. He got me good. He, 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 they, they won by like 63 points. And so I, I came back to reality right away, and I knew that, that uh, I had made a terrible mistake by accepting that job. Well, life's full of challenges, and that, that certainly sounds like it was one of them. Of course, going up against the Celtics, in those days, Red Auerbach probably oh, yeah, was lighting yeah, up the it, guitar it, in the third quarter. Well, it was great because I had uh, only seen Bill Russell on television, and uh, and he was he's a lot better in person. You know, was, <laughs> I got I got a really neat seat to watch uh, Bill Russell and uh, Will Chamberlain and Oscar Robertson and Jerry West. Uh, you know, I, I I had a seat that was free for almost forty years. But you developed a pretty good Bulls team there when you had. Uh, Norm Van Leer, Jerry Sloan, Walker, Love, and Borwinkle. It was a, it was a, a really good team. Uh, we, you know, I made this uh, statement. Phil Johnson was down here visiting me the other day, and uh, I said that that team came to play every day. You know, as a coach, what you what you want to walk out that dressing room and you want to know what you're going to get. There are very few teams. There are very few coaches that, that have that uh, that warm feeling that. Uh, we played, we played as hard uh, two days before 
Christmas in New Orleans as we did against the, in the seventh game against the Lakers. Uh, I knew every every game that we were going to be consistent. Jerry Sloan, Van Leer, uh, we had a uh, really good team, but we were not quite good enough to beat Jabbar, or at that time Wilt, uh, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor. You know, they, they were, sometimes you, you just get beat by a, a better person. Uh, and I always just developed this theory, and, and, and I could live with it. I didn't mind getting beat. I, I didn't mind getting – I've got a lot of scars to prove that uh, I got the heck kicked out of me by bigger and better people sometimes. But I, 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 I couldn't stand losing. I didn't mind getting beat, but I hated to be dumb and lose games. And the players, that Chicago team, on a, on a consistent day in, day out, they, they, they got beat once in a while, but they didn't lose games. Now, does the coach get credit for the players playing hard, or is that something that's inside the players themselves? Is it a combination? Well, I, I always said, someone told me one time that a, that a coach in the NBA is only worth about 10%. And I said, well, that's great, because most games are uh, there's a six-point swing on the history of, of, of a decent game. Uh, I don't know if coach is important or not. Ask that Harbaugh guy or someone at the, down at the, the 49ers. Did, did you think? Let me ask you. Did you think that's coaching, or do you think that's that just that's the alignment of the stars? I think it's the coaching because we talked to Roger Craig, who was a former 49er, and he said that mentality of the 49ers changed after Singletary was fired and Harbaugh took over. Sure, there's a sports psychiatrist that's a really good friend of mine. Uh, he teaches at Utah State, and we're having we have every every seven o'clock a lot of days we get together. Look professors and stuff, and I asked him about turning points. When When is there a turning point in a career, whether it be in coaching or medicine or law or something, even in broadcasting? When was the time, that turning point, that you realized that you belonged? You know, everyone has one, and it's, it's an interesting subject. A lot of, a lot of, uh, of coaches, particularly in this day and age, don't, don't pay the price that I did, I don't wear it on my uh, chest and brag about it, but uh, uh, there are a lot of guys that, that never picked up the jocks, didn't drive the bus, didn't do the laundry, didn't meet the parents, didn't teach the classes, uh, didn't organize the booster club. Uh, you know, a lot of, lot of things that went into, into my background that I'm really proud of. I think the thing that I'm the most proud of, and if we're into things now, uh, the, the day after, uh, the weekend after Labor Day, uh, we'll have our our reunion with my high school team that won the state championship. We were honored a few years ago as a legend team in in Idaho. We went we went 40, 48 and and four the last two years, and uh, all of those kids, but one graduated from college. We lost one in in Vietnam, but every year every every other year they gather. At our place, 15 kids have played for me, 14 ever alive, and 13 of the wives come. And we spend a weekend together, and we have we have a uh, reunion. And that's probably the thing that I'm the most proud of in, in all of my athletic accomplishments. I hope you invite the managers, because I was a manager at Loyola University in high school, <laughs> and a lot of the managers are forgotten. I don't. I didn't. My manager was always included, and he comes to it. His name is Mark Thomas. He was a manager in uh, high school for for uh, three years for me. 
and he he and his wife come. They they live up in Oregon, in Portland, and they come every year. Every every other year we have it. And then you went on to coach at Dallas, and you had some personalities there with Mark McGuire. Well, I've had uh, I've had some. I've had some challenges. Every every coach does. You know, I don't have too much trouble uh, with individuality because I'm. I'm I'm basically different too. I, I just let them know that I work really hard to get where I am. Don't embarrass me. And I'll be, as a coach, I'll be what the players make me be. I'll be your best friend. I'll be a policeman. I, I won't change their diaper and I won't burp them. Those are the two. <laughs> those are the two areas that I that I won't get into. Now, when I think of Dick Mata, I think of some fairly wild sport coats. Do you still have those? Oh gosh, I I, I don't. Anymore, I've I still got that one that I threw over Murphy's head. That plaid one was on Easter Sunday, and it was a it was plaid, and it was, was polyester. Oh hell, I was so proud of that. Had uh, there was a plaid one, a yellow, and all the all the uh, uh, autumn hues uh, to it. And uh, I still have that. Uh, I'm, one of these days, I'm going to get it stuffed. I'll probably, <laughs> I'll put a, put, probably put it on when, when they put me in the crematorium. <laughs> When you left the Bulls to coach the Bullets, what was the reason that you went to the Bullets? I, it was a job. I had never gone to a team in any 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 job, and, and all of my jobs, I went to teams that were were absolutely struggling. But I just in the back of my mind, I said, "What what would it be like to go and uh, coach a team that has, you know, you knew that Wes and Elvin." We're going to be on the All-Star team or in, in the Hall of Fame, and so could I uh, get a guy from Union, Utah? You know, how, how would how would they how would it be if they would they accept it? it was it was more it was more of a uh, an experiment for me uh, about me uh, to see if if, uh, if I could get people like that to, to respond, and it was interesting. It was an established team. They they were expected to win, and and we did win. Could you win with Wes Unseld at center today? Do you think there aren't any centers today? <laughs> they come down. They come down to face that Hereford. They, they'd make a U turn. All he'd have to do is lower his his head like those those bulls do in the bull ring. Lower his head a little bit and raise his eyes and look at him. They would have shin splints. They'd have to take. They'd have to take two or three days off, you know, just to get just to rest, just to get just to get rested. Don't there be some pretty good practices? When you, did you ever have West Unsell go against Elvin Hayes? Oh, not often. Once in a, we didn't do one-on-one stuff much. Uh, uh, totally different personalities, opposite uh, in, in basically their philosophies, but they put it together when they stepped out on the floor. To answer your question, would that. Would would Jerry West transcend to today's uh, game? Would Havlicek? Uh, the answer is yes. There are there there some of the players now are there. There's no question that they they are a little more athletic, and athleticism seems to be you know the the, the thing. There's more stress on stuffing the ball and blocking it than, than setting a screen and. And running a play, you know, that, that it's a little bit different. But yes, I bet your Magic Johnson could go out there today and hold his own against some of the players in this league. Carl Malone, they, they went through, they went through three, two generations 
the talent will transcend. It, it does. The great players then uh, would certainly do good now. When when I went into the league, there were only ten teams. We we said we had three good centers and uh, five great point guards. Uh, Fifty years, forty years later, thirty two, thirty three teams. I don't know how many are. There's still five good point guards and. There aren't three great centers. How did the saying, the opera isn't over till the fat lady sings start? Oh, that was stupid. <laughs> I heard that uh, was, the original one was, uh, rodeo ain't over till they ride the Brahma. And we were we were ahead of uh, Philadelphia three three to one, but we had to go up to their place. And the, this cub reporter just kept at it and at it and at it. What does it feel like? to finally play for a world championship, play for a world championship. And I couldn't get rid of him. And I said, hey, man, it's like it's like this operating over till the fat lady sings. I don't know why I said it. I came home, they had 18 cameras in my face, and it got to be, a, it got big. I still see it quoted. And my wife came, I came home, and my wife said, you know, you said some really dumb things, but that's the most stupid thing. And every every fat person in the world is going to be teed off at you. But it got to be our battle cry, and I still live with it. You ever go to the opera? Not a fat. I had it. I had it. I had it. Uh, it was invited to the Metal, Metropolitan Opera, and I went down to the Grand Old Opry in te- uh, with uh, Howard Baker. I looked like Howard Baker, and he wanted me to come down. And uh, he was running for president, and he wanted me to put on a coonskin. Hat and pretended I was, I was Howard Baker and invited me to the uh, Grand Old Opry. I'm not sophisticated enough to go to the one in New York. What a quality man that Digmata is. He doesn't think he belongs in the Hall of Fame, but I have a feeling he's going to go in this year. I, I hope he does. You're going to have a big bull contingent this year. Chet Walker, Pat Williams. Sam Smith. Sam Smith. So that's three, and he would be the fourth. Not bad. You know, and Sam hasn't lost a step over the years. Of course, I don't think Sam had a step to lose, but that's another story. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to have on, again, the Hall of Famer, Chet Walker. Stay tuned.